Welcome to the So Powerful Podcast. This is your host, Jan Cancilla. You know the sound of my sewing machine means it's time for another episode. So let's get started. Hello, today I have the pleasure of speaking with a brand new purse maker. Her name is Laquita Herod, and she came to us through the attention of Kathleen Broadfoot. And unbeknownst to me, Laquita and I worked on a project together with Kathleen, and you're going to hear all about that. So good morning. How are you today? Good morning. It's nice to be here. Oh, I'm so glad you are. So um, we very coincidentally may have crossed paths, although I would have been much older and you would have been an infant, but I attended Hanover College in Southern Indiana. It's right on the banks of the Ohio River. And it's a very teeny, teeny uh, town next to the campus. But the next town over, if you needed anything, was a 10 minute car drive away, I think, in a town called Madison, Indiana. And why is Madison, Indiana important to you, Laquita? Um, well, Madison, Indiana is where I was born and where I grew up and lived there until I graduated high school. Wow. And so it's entirely possible that at some point you and your parents were driving down the street and I was in a car and, and we passed in Madison, Indiana and never knew it. Yes, it is. Yeah. Th yeah. That would, that would be a weird thing. So um, you grew up in this beautiful part of the United States and you know, we have many international um, listeners. Can you describe the Southern Indiana area? What is the geography like in that part of the country? Um, well, the area for Madison is very hilly. There are a lot of rock outcroppings. Um, there's a state park that has a beautiful falls called Clifty Falls um, and several hiking trails. And then as you go out away from Madison, there are lots of farmlands and um, we're on the Ohio River. So you can also see the beautiful greens of Kentucky. If you look across the state line, um, we had a bridge, the Madison Milton Bridge that crossed between Kentucky and Indiana. So we were a good location for people traveling through the state to get into Kentucky. Mm -hmm. It's and very you know beautiful. What yeah, what I remembered was the convenience of the location. It was sort of midway between Cincinnati, Ohio, Indianapolis, Indiana, and Louisville, Kentucky. So um, big cities not far away, but yet it was just the most scenic, beautiful, peaceful area I'd ever been in. It was just really lovely. It was. Um, yeah, it was very beautiful. Um, for 4th of July, they usually had the hydroplane boat races in Madison. So there even, there's a movie called Madison that was filmed there about the hydroplane boats. Oh, cool. Well, and you know, I never got to see that because I would have been back home at my home during the summer. But anyway, okay, so um, when you were, it sounds like in about middle school, um, your father passed away and your mom remarried a few years later, which then um, resulted in your family moving after you graduated from high school. Is that correct? Yes, we moved from this beautiful, hilly, tree-filled area of the country to um, Ocean Springs, Mississippi, all the way down on the Gulf Coast of Mississippi with the beautiful ocean and the palm trees. And they have these loblolly pine trees that are so not 
what I grew up with that I thought they had deformed trees that my first thought driving into that area but it was beautiful it was just gorgeous there now when you were in Madison you had some part-time jobs when you were in high school working retail and then when you got to Mississippi with your family after high school graduation you used some of that experience your retail experience to get another job right Yes, I worked in a store that was kind of like Kmart in Indiana called 3D Discount Store. And then in Mississippi, I got a job at JCPenney and, and, and really enjoyed it. And that was very fortuitous because you had a friend who did something very important. Tell us what your friend did. Um, my friend set me up on a blind date with um, what turned out to be my husband. He was in the Navy and they have a dry dock in Pascagoula, Mississippi. And so he was just there for the ship to get worked on. And that's how we met. And and so you, you told me a, a rather, uh, well, I guess it wasn't amusing at the time. It's amusing now, but um, what was your first encounter with your husband? What happened? I was on my way to work and I had stopped for gas and these two men were following me with their vehicle and they followed me all the way into the parking lot where I worked. So I hurried quickly in the back door of the store, right past my husband and my friend and your husband friend, to be my right? husband to be. Yes, this man I had not quite met yet. And he's trying to say hello, it's nice to meet you. And I just said, Yeah, it's great to meet you. Bye. And I kept going into the break room and I stayed there for several minutes hoping those other two men would disappear. So yes, after we were married, my husband's favorite thing to tell people was that my wife blew me off. She didn't even want to go on that first date. <laughs> so he, um, but we did obviously have our first date was Top Gun. So the movie. So that oh, was oh, how fun. for a Navy person that worked out well. He could tell me things about the military. And so um, God had a plan for you because you met and you were married in a pretty short period of time, right? Yes, we met and we were engaged on our, our date was actually a couple of weeks later. So we got engaged a week after our first date, which happened to be his birthday. And then we were married. That was in August of 86. We got married in October of 86. And then by December of 86, I was a new Navy wife living in Jacksonville, Florida, and he was on a new ship starting more time out to sea. Mm -hmm. And so because of his Navy career, um, the family moved several times. Is that right? Give, give us sort of the, the Cliff Notes version of all the places that you lived. Okay. From Jacksonville, Florida, we went to North Chicago, Great Lakes, Illinois for a school. Then he got stationed at Kings Bay, Georgia for shore duty. Then he went to Mayport, Florida. Then we went to Norfolk, Virginia. Then we came back to Kings Bay. Then he went to Mayport again. Then he went to Charleston. Then he went to Virginia. Then he came back and finished in Mayport, I believe. There were two times at Kings Bay, but Mayport is an hour and 15 minutes away. So um, 
1997, my daughter Jessica and I were staying put in Kingsland, Georgia, which is near the Kings Bay Navy base. Mm-hmm. So, um, yes, but God let us meet some very interesting people and it was great to see other parts of the country. Wow. Well, that, I mean, that's amazing. And um, I, I guess that's the life of a military family is a, a lot of upheaval, but um, you've, you're, you're settled now. Um, something, uh, your, your husband re- retired from the Navy when? What year? He retired from the Navy in 2003. In three. And a couple of years later, um, he had a doctor's visit. And what happened then? Um, then we found out that he had been having some memory problems and it was diagnosed as early onset Alzheimer's disease, which is rare um, in people that young, but it can occur. He was 39 when he was diagnosed. Mm. And so his disease progressed and he did pass away. Is that right? Yes, he passed away um, in June 2019 he was 54. So we saw symptoms in 99. So roughly 20 years of first symptoms to the time that he passed. And you were his caregiver for those 20 years, Laquita? Yes, he was able to work off and on until 2013. So from 2013 to 2019, I was his person 24-7 with a very active young dementia patient yes mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and your your daughter how how was this affecting her um she was a teenager when he was diagnosed and um so she graduated high school she was able to go on to college she has um a degree in general studies part of that is business hospitality management and mm-hmm. um but she learned to be his caregiver the you know the roles are reversed she's mm-hmm. a little more parent to him than just a child but it it grew a great deal of empathy for her um she's currently working in ministry building a new church in Knoxville doing administration and websites and um she said part of her ministry is reaching out to other kids who are having problems with their fathers and encouraging them that you know god is there Mm -hmm. and because of your experience with your husband's illness um you've become an advocate um for people um, who are caregivers for for family members with alzheimer's tell us about that yes um doug was so young there weren't really many resources in our area He was too young for a senior center. He was too young for the Council on Aging. Um, But I also found when I went to my first support group in September 2013, that first meeting, I didn't know that eight years later, I would have become part of a board for, it's the Camden County Alzheimer's Project. It's a nonprofit. And our goal is to bring those resources into our county to have adult daycare, to have respite for the caregivers, to get, you know, a few few hours during the week to go to the grocery store, to get a hair appointment. If you need to sleep, there were so many days that I just needed that 
you know, that couple of extra hours would have made a huge difference, even to sew a purse. You can't sew a purse if you're chasing after someone, making sure they stay safe. Mm -hmm. So it made a difference. Okay. Well, and, and I'm, I'm sure you're making a difference now. So it's, um, I'm, I'm sorry that you had to go through it, but it's, um, wow, it's just so admirable that you're helping others so that they don't have the, the same negative experiences that, that you did to the extent that you did. Um, now you mentioned sewing, how long have you been sewing and what, what is your sewing story? Well, um, my mom sewed when I was little, my sister was seven years older and she made a dress in high school. And I thought, well, it must be easy. So I took my first home ec <laughs> and my first project was a simple little drawstring purse. And I became very frustrated with that. I just could not get it the way I wanted. And then um, when I was pregnant with Jessica, I wanted to sew her a quilt and it ended up making me more frustrated trying to put a ruffle around the edge Then my husband actually sat at my mom's sewing machine and sewed our daughter's first blanket because I didn't have the patience for it. So as my daughter's first Christmas came, he bought me my own sewing machine and I gradually managed to make her some little dresses and we had a couple of matching outfits and curtains. I, I like things with simple sewing seams. So, um, so fast forward to now, he's passed away and I'm trying to relearn things about myself. You know, what do I enjoy? So I enjoy painting. That was something I could do while he was alive and woodworking, but the sewing machine, um, yeah, I'm still have a love hate relationship with ripping out seams. That is my frustration with the sewing machine. But so oh, wow. I am determined that with this being my first so powerful purse to mail in that I'm going to get this. Okay. So okay. Well, we're going to explore all that in just a moment, but let's, let's take a quick break here and listeners, when we come back, we're going to hear Laquita's journey with her so powerful purses, which is not a long journey, but it's a pretty interesting one. And it's very interesting to hear perspective from somebody who's new to making purses. So stay tuned. We'll be back in one minute. Have you gotten the second edition of the We Are So Powerful book? This updated version of the original bestseller, 4.9 out of 5 stars, by the way, is again authored by So Powerful co-founders Jason and Cinnamon Miles. It is available on Amazon in paperback or for your Kindle reader. This latest edition is packed full of moving stories about how So Powerful came to be, the volunteers who make it happen, and the way this small movement has grown into a global mission to break the cycle of poverty through education and the dignity of work. And don't forget, when you place your order, if you use smile.amazon.com and designate So Powerful as your preferred charity, Amazon will donate a portion of your purchase right back to So Powerful. And now back to our podcast. Welcome back. We've been speaking with Laquita Heron, who has been sharing her very interesting life story. Uh, she and I may have crossed paths many, many years ago um, when I attended college and she, uh, she lived in a very nearby town. 
and she moved many times with uh, the Navy when her husband was um, enlisted there. And then he did pass away and she's become an advocate for those uh, caregivers for family members with Alzheimer's. Lucreta, when did you first hear about So Powerful? I think it was in November of last year. So this, it of hasn't even been a year. 2020, right? 2020, yes. We're in the middle of a pandemic and I'm trying to think of things I can give my nieces for Christmas and not have to go shopping. And I have some fabric. And so I was looking for a simple um, purse pattern and I came across the So Powerful beginner pattern and it's free. And I thought, well, that's a wonderful idea. So I printed out the pattern and then um, started researching. Well, why did they have, why is it so powerful? Why, you know, why is that the name? And then I read up on the ministry and started listening to podcasts and looking at the videos and then found the Facebook group with all the beautiful purses. And I was um, so excited that, um, so I sewed my first purse and I put the photos in the Facebook group and I said, um, I will not be mailing this purse because um, first of all, I made it out of off-white duck cloth, which is not gonna work in Africa. And secondly, I didn't get the box pleat right. My pocket that goes on the front was on the back, which apparently comes out often for people. And ripping I think it off. I did it seven times before I figured out what I was doing wrong. So, okay. <laughs> oh, well, I feel better then. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, well, and I have to tell you, people told me it was the box pleats. And I said, that can't be it. That can't be it. I was so stubborn. And then finally, I was like, oh, yeah, it is the box pleats. <laughs> well, so, yes, I um, wanted to give up, but Valentine's was coming. They did not get their purses for Christmas. Um, but I persevered after watching more posts and more people saying the same thing. So I managed to sew four purses for my nieces and got three out of four pockets correct. All right. And got those mailed for Valentine's Day. And since then, I made one purse for a friend, my dear friend, Mary. She um, is 21. She has the sweetest spirit. Um, she has Down syndrome but she's just one of my best friends. And so I sewed her a frozen purse and um, she was so excited. And I thought, okay, I think I'm ready now. I'm gonna start sewing for So Powerful. So as we speak, I'm ripping out more seams because I didn't line up the back placket and the front pocket just to get it started, but it is okay. I will get there and I will have it on Facebook probably before the podcast makes it out. But um, the idea, I grew up not rich. Um, my daddy died when I was actually nine. And when I started my monthly, um, I didn't know, we hadn't even had the class in school yet, what to do with those products. And so when I saw that part of the mission is to teach these girls and to provide them with the things they need, that is a basic thing for going to school and feeling comfortable and learning. So yes, that's exciting to me to be able to help with a mission that does that. Okay. And can, as a new, as a new purse maker, um, you're, you're challenged by the box pleats, but there's also something else that you told me was a little difficult for you. For me, it's the, um, 
several layers because you've got the front pocket and the pocket has a lining and then you have the front piece and then the front piece has interfacing if you need interfacing and then you're trying to connect that with the back piece that also should be reinforced and they're just such thick pieces and part of my issue that you pointed out to me is um i started with um duck cloth from drop cloth and denim and those are both thick items mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. you suggested switching to more of a did you say a chambray something thinner uh, yes and so if Still you use like not so thick yeah quilters cotton interface uh, makes those layers easier to to sew through but Sometimes I do use heavier fabrics, but when I do that, I make sure the other pieces are um, a little bit thinner. So to, to overcome that, because there is a couple of places where you are sewing through multiple layers, but that's just the nature of putting together a purse. So um, I, you'll, you'll get there. You'll get there, I promise. And the fact that you've already made seven purses, is that is that the right count? Um. Five, sorry. Five persons. Okay. You're your sixth, and the sixth one is one you're going to send in. The first one to send in. Yes. Okay. So, so it took a little practice for me to, yeah. to feel confident that someone would be able to use the purse after I made it. Uh, well, I, I, you know, I think everybody is their own worst critic. So describe this purse so that when we hear the podcast and then we see the photo, we'll know that this is the purse that we're talking about here. Okay. Um, it has a lot of blues and greens and teals and a vine print through it. And then um, the lining has a turquoise with some yellow and some purple dots. And um, I actually cut up an old purse that part of the vinyl had gone bad on and saved the fabric. So the inner lining is a bright blue. So I'm re upcycling i guess recycling this fabric and that also was part of the challenge was making the pieces come together to fit into yeah. the size for the purse and but so i don't have any money involved except for the strap i have the webbing for the strap so it's a cost effective way for me because i'm on a you know fixed income now that i'm a widow mm -hmm. to um to be able to give back, but also use things that God's already provided for me. This is all fabric I had. Absolutely. Well, and you know, I alluded to this earlier. Um, Kathleen Broadfoot lives in Indiana. You grew up in Indiana. I went to college in Indiana. And Kathleen uh, posted something on the in the Facebook group about a project, an Indiana related project. Can you describe that and how you participated in that? Sure, she said she was interested in other women from Indiana that had any tie. If they wanted to donate some fabric, she would take the varieties of fabric and make a purse. So I contacted her and told her that I, she wanted blues and golds. So I had a, it looks like a white, a gold background, white trellis fabric. And I had a separate fabric that's a gold background with bees on it. And um, my best friend, Sheila um, Spencer from Madison, we went to all the way from elementary school through, she still comes and visits, our families are close, is a beekeeper. 
and mm -hmm. I've invited her and she's part of so powerful now too. She hasn't sent a person yet, but she's part of it. So oh, okay. now say her name again. So we'll give her a, another shout out. Sheila Spencer. Sheila Spencer from Madison, Indiana. Welcome to so powerful. She actually lives in Floyd Knobs now, but she grew up, her parents are still in Madison. Okay. But so the beekeeper or the bee fabric is in honor of Sheila still in Madison. And um, Kathleen has used both of those fabrics, but she actually made more than one purse. So um, recently I was listening to Kathleen's podcast from 2020 and she said i have some denim fabric but i haven't ever sewn the denim into a purse yet i will eventually and when she made um some of these indiana purses she had sewn denim into the purses and i thought how fun is that to hear someone's journey like to know when you know she didn't use denim yet i have used denim but then we both used denim and some of the same fabric to make a purse at the you know a similar time well and you know she was asking for blue and gold fabric and i looked through my stash and i didn't see anything but my indiana tie is my college tie and the the colors were crimson and white which i had some fabric honestly it looks like peppermint stripe for christmas but i <laughs> sent it i sent it to kathleen anyway and she very cleverly incorporated it into at least two purses so that was a really fun project and a way to engage people and make us feel like we're all connected even though we may not have known each other before yes that was fun i really enjoyed that and Maybe it was really fun to do a Georgia one. I don't know. <laughs> oh, that would be great. Well, and it was fun because Kathleen did all the work. I just mailed a piece of fabric. Right. That that also was encouraging to me not to be the one ripping out any seams. Laquita, <laughs> <laughs> um, what would you say to somebody who's maybe not a very experienced sewer, but wants to get started making purses for So Powerful? How would you encourage them? I would encourage them to, first of all, look through fabric they already have so that they're not investing in something that they'll feel bad if they cut it the wrong way and have to cut the next piece of fabric. Um, I cut the duck cloth on purpose because I already had it. It was a large piece of fabric. So starting with fabric you already have, I started my first purse without watching the video i just tried to follow the printed out directions it helped me so much to go back and watch the video and have it where i could pause the video and look to make sure i'm lining up my fabric the way cinnamon i think it was cinnamon on the it was the 2018 video that i watched mm -hmm. um, am i lining it up correctly am i understanding what the written out says with what i'm seeing visually i need to see things it helps me learn so those are my biggest things is and take your time and i'm so glad i know that everyone rips out seams at some time absolutely absolutely well lakita i have to say it's been a pleasure to to talk with you and to find our connections and um, find out that they go well beyond so powerful and your interesting life and the admirable work that you're doing in your community and the contributions that you're making to so powerful. We thank you very much. It's been a pleasure speaking with you. Thank you. I really enjoyed this. It was well, fun. 
Well, good. And anybody else who might be reluctant to be on a podcast, it's just easy. We're just talking, right? Right. Yeah. And um, yeah, and I'm excited too because I'll be able to listen back to this in a few years. And who knows how many purses I will have sent by then. And you know, the changes God will have performed through the schools in that's Zambia, the difference. So that's exciting. It's well, not is- about me. It's about what we're doing for them. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for your time. It's been a pleasure. We'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Bye. If what you've heard today inspires you to want to make a difference, I urge you to explore the So Powerful website at www.sopowerful.org. That's S-E-W-P-O-W-E-R-F-U-L dot O-R-G. The website has great information about the organization. It's where you can download the free purse patterns or even make a donation. We hope you will join us again next week when we bring you another So Powerful story. Thanks for listening. Now go out and have a So Powerful day.